Hello, welcome back for season two of the Excel Still More podcast. I am your host, Chris Emerson, and I'm here to encourage you with tips and strategies to help you build stronger relationships, deepen your faith, and just get the most out of your life. Thank you for joining. Let's get started. Hey, welcome back to the program. I'm super excited about our topic today. We are going to devote the entirety of this 20 minutes to talking about money, about finances, about the steps that you are taking to secure your family's future and to put yourself in the best possible position to use your blessings for the work of the Lord. If you follow this program, you know we talk about faith friendships, fitness, and finances quite often. It's even a weekly reminder sheet built into our journal. But this will be the first time we've devoted all of our attention to the topic of finances. Are you doing the right things with your money? Is God pleased with your stewardship? How do you care for it? How do you spend it? And how much does it weigh on your mind? All of that will be in view today in this episode. Listen, everybody knows 1 Timothy chapter 6 that the Lord talks about the root of all sorts of evil is the love of money. An inappropriate relationship with physical goods is no good for us. But he did not say money. He said the love of money. I mean, look, in that exact same chapter a little further down, When it talks about the rich, it doesn't tell them you shouldn't be rich. It's said to use your riches to give, to be generous and godly. We can do this, and it's worth spending time talking about. I think there are people raised in the church taught that we don't talk about money. We don't preach about it. It's not a centerpiece of what we do. I would challenge those people to search how often money is discussed throughout the Bible. It is all over the place. God knew that that would be a centerpiece of the way we built our lives here, and God intends for us to use it well. I'm thinking of an old proverb, chapter 10, verse 22. It is a blessing of the Lord that makes rich, and he adds no sorrow. If your financial situation, the absence of things, or maybe the presence of things, is bringing you sorrow, if it is a point of contention in your marriage, if it's something that's constantly on your mind and drawing you away from God, we need to fix all that. And I hope that today's episode will give you a lot of things to think about. I want to take you firstly through my story. Everyone has a story, and usually there's something that can be learned from that. I want to be careful today. I in no way intend to boast about successes that Summer and I have had, but at the same time, A few basic good decisions over time have made an enormous difference, and a couple of bad ones along the way might help you avoid some setbacks. So let's start with that, and I'll try not to bore you. We'll fold a few principles in along the way, and then in the last half of this episode, I want to tell you about a marvelous book, a book that was published way back in 1926. I just read it a few years ago. It was a nice bit of reassurance that a lot of what Summer and I are doing is good, but it also helped me to make a couple of other decisions as well, 
and I'll tell you more about that today. All right, so I'll try not to bore you today, but my money story goes back to 1997. Summer and I got married in November of that year. I was 18 years old, and she was 19. I'd gone to college a few years before that, a homeschool family, started college early, so I had a couple of associate degrees, but I decided to quit college, get married, and work at a sand and gravel pit for my father-in-law. Yeah, my mother was not pleased with that at all, but that's the way that it went, so I traded in the classroom for full-time labor paychecks, and that was kind of cool, actually. But Summer and I made a decision, our first real money decision, and we have never changed it. We decided that 15% of everything we brought home would be put into savings. We made the decision to live on 85% of what we had. Now, that's moved around a little bit over the years, but it stayed on average in that exact place. That wasn't easy. It wasn't easy to get a paycheck, pull out the calculator, figure up a number, and just move it right off the top. But that's what we did. We worked our finances around what was left. The next thing we took out was money we were contributing to the Lord, maybe some charity work, and then whatever was left was budgeted in a way to provide for the family. In connection with that, we had to make some real sacrifices. There's always been a certain percent number that we were willing and able to spend on our home, and we've never gone above that percentage. We've always had either one car payment or no car payments, and we've never gotten up to two. We didn't have what everybody else had, but we had a plan, and we stuck to it. In fact, it's been 22 years, and we're still doing it. Now, not to say that's always gone perfectly, because not long after making that one good decision, I made a very poor one. I was actually saving real money for the first time, and I met some friend of a friend who convinced me to invest it all in dot-com internet stocks. Well, if you know anything about that, you know that just a year or two later, I lost pretty much all of that money. The stocks I had invested in, the companies, they just basically disappeared within about a four-month span, and it was gone. So we had to reevaluate. We'd made one good decision, 15% put aside for our future, but we put it in a poor place. After that, I made a change. I decided to take that money and invest it in mutual funds, index funds, funds that moved up and down with the overall movement of the market, And occasionally over the years, I bought stock in companies, but they've always been large, reliable companies. And we've continued that strategy even up until, well, yesterday, actually. Now, here is the thing about setting a strategy in place. If you are truly committed to it, then it doesn't have to be destroyed by changed circumstances. Let me give you a couple of instances. In late 2001, I no longer worked at the sand and gravel pit, and I went into preaching. I did go back to school and finished my bachelor's degree, so my mother started talking to me again after that. That was nice. But ultimately, I went into preaching. Most of you are aware that first-year preachers in small towns don't exactly break the bank when they deposit their checks, but we stayed committed to the plan. 
Over the years, obviously, we've earned greater support in the preaching work, and that's certainly been helpful as our family has grown. Now, here's what else changed. The market. It did pretty well after 2000, 2001, but then in 2008, there was this massive housing crisis, and the market in general dropped something like 40%. But because I knew that the things I had invested in were good long-term investments and they weren't going to go away overnight, I actually got excited when the market went down. I just kept buying every month. I was getting a better deal. I got tremendous deals on stocks and funds in 2008 and 2009. And you just do it and stick with it and move forward. And ultimately, in the long run, that all worked out really well. Now, here's the last piece of this. A few years ago, I think two or three, I sat down with Summer and I said, you know, we've done pretty well here. But I'm not really clear on what it all means for our future. Like, when could we actually retire on this? I've always had these aspirations of traveling around and preaching in towns at no cost, etc. When would that be possible? What would be the tax implications of all of that? And are there some passive income streams where this money could be allocated differently? And like I told you in the episode, Seeking Wise Counsel, there are some things that you just don't know and Google won't really help you with. So I made a phone call. I called a Christian man and a friend. His name is John Cunningham. He runs the Cunningham Financial Group in Birmingham, Alabama. And he was awesome. He listened to me for a half an hour talk about all of the things that I had done, where I was presently, what I hoped to get to in the future. He asked questions, and it was awesome. He called me back a week later, and he presented some things he thought would help. He explained all of them to me. And about two, three years ago, I signed over the management of those funds to him. The 15% goes to his company now. And ultimately, it's just put this extra level of peace in our lives. Summer and I rarely talk about money, and that's a really good thing. Listen, I don't know where you are in your finances. Maybe you're in tremendous shape. Maybe you have your money very wisely managed. But if you don't, Can you imagine what it would feel like to know that month after month you're doing it right and someone out there is helping you to make sure that you keep it in the right place and you have these next level goals that you're building towards? And the real kicker is you don't even have to think about it. You've already set things up well. Just live your life, enjoy your family, serve the Lord, be responsible, and if God keeps the ladder rails in place, you guys remember from episode one, if he stays right there with you, that next level, Lord willing, in years to come is easily and naturally attained. By the way, I'm not kidding with you about John Cunningham. I called him before I recorded this episode. I said, John, you brought this incredible extra level of peace in my life, and I trust you. Is it okay if I share your phone number with my Excel Still More friends? and just encourage them to take 30 minutes out of their life and have a conversation with you. Now, he is a business owner, so his answer was, yeah, that's totally cool. That would be awesome if you would do that. And so if it's all right with you, at the end of this episode, I will mention his name one more time, and I will give you a phone number. And it doesn't matter if you've saved well or your planning has not been in place, he can help you. If you know what your goals are and how to reach them, or you're not sure If you're set up well to reach them, John can help you. He has helped my parents, 
my mother-in-law, and a lot of other people that I care about as well. So that'll come up at the end. In the meantime, let me tell you about this book. Again, I'd been plugging along doing my thing for a while, and just a few years back, I bought this book, The Richest Man in Babylon. Have you ever heard of this? It was written in 1924 by a man named George Clayson. This is a really good book. It's a series of proverbs. It's written very interestingly, but it tells the story of a man who lived back in ancient Babylon and how he turned his entire life around and became the richest man. Now, I know before I get into the seven main points of that book, which I think you'll enjoy hearing about, I know you might be thinking, well, I don't want to be the richest man. Life isn't about riches. I understand that. But do you also understand what happens when you are financially secure? How not only can you live with less anxiety, not only do you feel like you've secured your family's future to the best of your ability, but think about other things the Bible says. Like in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9, Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. Do we understand that if we get this right, we can serve the Lord with our money? It won't be about serving God or wealth. It will be about using our wealth to serve God. I get really excited about that, and that's been a big blessing in my life and Summer's life as well. Okay, so I'm reading this book a few years ago, and here are the seven points. Number one, pay yourself first. Get this, he recommends 10 to 20% off the top of the money you bring home be put aside for your security and future. I was pretty stoked to read that. That is tremendous advice. It may be totally out of range for you right now. You may pull out a calculator and say, well, that's a joke. But you know, we can also be wise small. Maybe it's just 3% for a few months. Maybe 5%. Maybe it takes you all year to build the ladder to get to 10% set aside. Maybe you need to clear some debts first. Maybe you need to sell a few things or make some changes. If you can get to the point where you pay yourself first, investing in your future, you will be well on your way. But the second thing goes hand in hand. The second piece of advice in the book is live below your means. This is where we may have to go in and make some cuts. Maybe you don't need two car payments on new vehicles. Maybe you don't need to live in a house that has that many costs associated with it. Find a way to live below your means. Number three, make your money work for you. Again, Taking that 15% and putting it in a sock isn't going to help. And finding some guy at Morgan Stanley Dean Witter who convinces you to invest in an internet company called Digitas will not work out well for you. But you do need to find a way to make your money work for you. If it just follows the flow of the market over the last 80 years, you're going to do great in the next 20. This is where you need to find someone who can help you, and we'll mention John again at the end. Number four is insure against loss. This is where I started to notice I hadn't done a good job. Life insurance, health insurance, I'd skimped on those things over the years. As a preacher, we sometimes do. But all it was doing was exposing me to one incident, accident, or tragedy that would destroy everything we'd been working towards. And while I always believed that God's people would take care of me or my family, that's not how I wanted to live. I want to help take care of other people. So we went out and we got the right kinds of insurance. We protected ourselves against loss. 
Number five is to have a retirement plan. And again, I'm telling you, that's what I didn't have. I needed someone to help me visualize what was coming, prepare for the tax implications, get the passive income streams set up in the right direction. And I went out and found that help, but that's really important. What is your retirement plan? And by retirement, we just mean the opportunity to change your focus, freedom to have options to do other things. I just have to say that having future goals like that, next level goals that are 10 years out, 15 years out, praying about them regularly, knowing, by the way, that the end game, even of money saving, feeds back to what I believe to be my core values in God, it feels tremendous. It's important. It makes life optimistic every day, and every little sacrifice we make to save a little bit here or be careful a little bit there is feeding something valuable. And then the last two, I'll just mention very quickly. Number six, our home is our biggest expense. There's a chapter there about how much you're spending on your home and whether you've chosen the right piece of property that can also make money for you. Great tips like putting 20% down on a house and just buying a smaller house, or making sure you don't buy the largest house in a neighborhood. Any little piece of information like that can help you make sure that your house is a good investment. So again, that's six of the seven things. Pay yourself first, live below your means, make your money work for you, insure against loss, and have a retirement plan, and then be careful about your home purchase. The last one is invest in yourself. And what that means is get the information that you need to make the right decisions. I'm prayerful that this short episode will help you get information, maybe send you in the direction of reading in the Proverbs or buying the book, The Richest Man in Babylon. I would recommend that you make a phone call, though, as we end this episode. I told you I was going to give it to you. If you want to reach out to someone who I would categorize as wise counsel, who will listen to you, help you visualize where you want to go, and give you a path to make those changes, I encourage you to pick up the phone this week and call my buddy John Cunningham. I think it would totally rock if we just lit up his phone all week this week. The number is 205-913-1720. Maybe John will be incredibly helpful to you, or maybe there are other people in your life to whom you need to go. But one thing's for sure, we need to take this taboo tag off of this topic. Getting in the right frame of mind and making the right choices about your finances helps your spirit, your family, and your work in the Lord. So look to somebody you trust this week and say, let's talk money. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you enjoyed the program, please remember to share with your family and your friends. Also, you can go to excelstillmore.life to sign up for emails, order the three-month journals, or just catch up on old episodes. So until next time, let me leave you with this. Whatever you choose to do today in the name of the Lord Jesus, excel still more.